0: The rebroadcast of a very early interview with Gwendolyn Brooks, our state's uh, laureate and Pulitzer Prize winner. The program in a moment after this message. Kitchenette building is seen, observed, poetized, if you will, by Gwendolyn Brooks, our guest Pulitzer Prize winner uh, living in Chicago. Uh, Gwendolyn, we think of your poetry and well, I suppose it's been described by so many critics in so many different ways, but the the honesty of it, I suppose, is, 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 the, is the first uh, word that comes to mind, the honesty and the simplicity of it. What, what, what do you, what do you uh, feel when your poems are, are analyzed or, or criticized? What's your feeling?
1: Well, I read with great interest everything that's said. I myself have only tried to uh, record life and, and interpret it as I have seen it.
0: As you have seen it, the, uh, the poem we heard is from, is this your fir- was that your first volume of poetry, A Street in Bronzeville? Yes. Uh,
1: Published in 45. This
0: was in 45. Mm-hmm. You won the Pulitzer Prize for Annie Allen. That was some five years later, wasn't it?
1: Yes. And
0: we think of the title itself, A Street in Bronzeville. This would be what, basically, would you say this is a poetic record of your, of your uh, observations of the community itself.
1: Yes, a record of my observations and in some part of my experiences. Certain things in, the, in all the books have happened to me or to people that I have known, and uh, I've colored and interpreted as best I could.
0: What of you, uh, the creative artist herself, uh, we think of you as Chicago. Was it always Chicago?
1: Yes. Yes, I've always lived in Chicago. I was born in Topeka, but uh, I uh, prefer to think of myself as a Chicagoan because uh, I was taken to Topeka to be born, if I may put it that way. And uh, when I was a month old, well, uh, my mother brought me back to Chicago, and I've been here more or less ever since. When
0: was it poetry, the idea of poetry, the writing and the reading of it, when did this come into your into
1: Well, your felt life? I've My uh, parents always saw to it that we had books in the house and uh, my mother entered, took me to the library at, oh, I guess I was about four or five, and uh, I enjoyed reading poetry and I tried to write it, I think I was about seven at the time that I first tried to put rhymes together, and I've loved it ever since.
0: Was there any, uh, uh, in your childhood memories or in later years, was there any one or any kind of poet who, who you felt had the most impact upon you?
1: Is in childhood one? years, I can't say. When I was 13, 12 and 13, I began to uh, be interested in Shakespeare and poets such as Wordsworth and Tennyson and Shelley, the the conventional loves of youth, I believe. And uh, first loves, I should say, because I think we all still admire those poets.
0: If we may, we would, I'm sure there'll be a lot more questions that come to my mind to that of the audience as we hear you read some more of your works. We're with the street in Bronzeville, and we wander along, and page nine, there's Hunchback Girl. She thinks of heaven, I suppose there can be no true poetry without compassion, without understanding that you possess such a degree. And again, as we think of Hunchback Girl, we think of, I suppose, of... Well, I suppose it's probing too much, isn't it, to think of your own observations of of, of people you've known and seen. But
1: no, it isn't no. probing too much. Well, go ahead. Right. Uh, what is the poem that you want me to... Well, I was Canada? thinking
0: of uh, the preacher coming up but which I would love to do if
1: yes, I may. Yes, well I'd like to and hear well, you what,
0: <laughs> what of the uh, preacher that ruminates who ruminates behind the sermon this one?
1: Well, when I was um, younger and in fact even to this day I uh, wondered and wondered what um, ministers in the pulpits are, are, are really thinking as they uh, often say things that are r- rather conventional and Um, sometimes cut and dried and uh, I've often wondered if they had any uh, private feelings behind their words and that's why I wrote that poem
0: Private worldly feelings
1: perhaps Yes, private worldly feelings or perhaps spiritual, uh, spiritual ideas other than those that they're giving to us
0: I suppose with you, as with any genuine poet, Gwendolyn, the matter of not only looking at people, but into their souls, if you will, their thoughts, as in that case. And I think of the poem on page three of A Street of Bronzeville, The Mother. Yes. Is there anything you care to say about this? You don't have to if you don't want to. Is there anything you just... I know it's, it's a poem that you feel strongly about.
1: Yes, um... Once again, I was trying to understand how uh, people must feel, in this case, a mother, the mother who never, never really became a mother. Um, this poem was the, the only poem in the book that uh, Richard Wright, who first looked at it, wanted to omit. And uh, he felt that uh, a, a proper poem could not be written about abortions. But um, I felt otherwise, and I was glad that the publishers left it in.
0: (laughs) Do you think that Richard Wright, I'm just wondering, at that time he wanted it omitted, but I'm wondering if in later years he would have felt that way about it. It's conjecture, of course.
1: I rather think he might have changed later. Yes. Yes.
0: Somehow, in thinking of the mother, we think of the next poem, too, that you may read on page 20 of A Street of Broadensville, The Murder, and we think, too, of newspapers. When I think of newspaper reports of the coldness, the harshness in so many cases the inhumanity of reports that deal with lives of people of events and I'm sure that uh, the uh, the poem the mother has found its way into news reports isn't uh, I don't know what your basis was for writing it, but I'm sure there were many reports is that, that the murder uh, each one the murder it, the murder
1: does have an interesting background oh, let's hear about this the murder. is uh something that happened in my own childhood, right next door to me, and, uh, on this, uh, a street in Bronzeville. And, uh, there was only one difference. Uh, the mother was not gossiping down the street. She was working. And, um, the little boy really did keep asking when his brother was coming back. So I'll read it. And
0: so it seems in, in, uh, Putting to poetry that which you've seen, that which you've heard about, isn't a question of calling upon your fantasy life, but upon the actualities of
1: yes, your that's, own. Yes, that's what it has been.
0: What of Matthew Cole, the one I will I will try to read now? What of Matthew
1: Cole? Well, that is based on mm-hmm. the life of um, uh, a friend of my husband, so uh, a man who's oh, I first heard of him about. 15 years or so ago. Oh, longer than that. 17 or 18 years ago.
0: It's, it seems, Gwendolyn, the, the, the whole the whole world that is found, really, in Bronzeville, whether it's Matthew Cole, whether it's the event, whether it's the mother, and whether it's uh, the girl I like who, who, whose song in the front yard he, he well attack. that
1: girl was myself
0: oh Gwen Brooks what things you were telling us about yourself <laughs> and you, you were wondering at the beginning you said you think you're inarticulate when it comes it's sometimes I am what is known as glib but you are truly articulate in what you write and in, even in the things you say with such economy even now I was thinking as uh, this poem your admiration for the rebel too is there seems to be there I think of the
1: Yes, mm-hmm. I believe I do have such an admiration, in part, at
0: any rate. So we've been just uh, hitting a few of the poems, uh, touching a few of the poems from a street in Bronzeville. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, in, it was 1950 then, 49 that you wrote Annie Allen. Yes, was it
1: was published in 49.
0: And this was the one that, uh, it was the Pulitzer Prize winner for poetry, 19... 19- Fifty. Yeah. Uh, what would you say was the diff- is the difference? Is there? Do you sense a difference in yourself in your writing between, the f- in the five years between *Street of Bronzeville* and *Annie Allen*?
1: Yes, I think so. Um, by the time I began to write *Annie Allen*, I was uh, very much impressed with uh, the effectiveness of technique, and uh, I wanted to write poetry that was uh, honed to the always. Oh, just to the last degree that it could be, and I wanted uh, chiseled lines, I wanted everything just right, real poetry I wanted to write, and that's uh, the mood I was in when I began writing Annie Allen. I no longer feel that this is the proper attitude to have when you sit down to write uh, poetry, but. That's how I felt then.
0: You say you no longer feel it's the proper attitude uh, to have when you write poetry. What do you feel now?
1: Well, I feel that uh, my poems, at any rate, should be written more in the mood that I, was, uh, that I had when I wrote A Street in Bronzeville. Then I was uh, just interested in putting people down on paper. And uh, although it's, it is rougher than Annie Allen, um i i feel that there's more humanity in it
0: we'll come to your most recent work later
1: and perhaps
0: uh, your feeling about that the bean eaters after we hear right. from annie Allen that won the big prize uh, the, there's uh, there are some sonnets here from part three of annie Allen, the womanhood you divided into mm-hmm. is there a reason for the division into uh, sections here i notice you have uh, the, uh, the womanhood is the, is the second. Notes from the childhood and the girlhood, mm-hmm. is that it?
1: Yes, I was trying to trace the life of a young woman and I thought it was <laughs> convenient to uh, divide her the first part of her life. I think before, she must have been about 28 when the book ends.
0: Before uh, uh, you read the Children of the Poor, two of the verses from Children of the Poor, Uh, you you met some of the poets who affected your very, very young girlhood. Who would be, was anyone today?
1: Well, um, when I was about, um, oh, 19 or 20, well I became interested in the moderns and I admired and still do admire Eliot and um, John Crow Ransom and uh, a poet that isn't uh, spoken of very much, but I think is a wonderful poet. Merrill Moore, he he was a great sonneteer who wrote, I think he died only a few years ago, have you heard that? He wrote thousands of sonnets.
0: You mentioned sonnets here then, sonnets to the children of the poor. Mm. The rights for Cousin Witt, I, I know you chose this, you like this very much, and in reading it I of course am crazy about it. Uh, mm. What about the rights for Cousin Vitt. Is well, an that
1: answer? too is based on uh, a real uh, happening. Uh, Vit, of course, that wasn't her name, was uh, a friend of mine who had that irrepressibility that just seems un- unconfinable uh, even in death, and that's why I wrote.
0: Well, I think somehow Cousin Fit I thought of Bessie Smith. Do you mind having this music played... Uh, uh, a, a sort of uh, commentary on, on on your poems.
1: Well, I was just thinking how effective the music is. It it's just uh, just seems inevitable.
0: It's it's the irre- irrepressibility, the irrepressibleness of c- your cousin Vitt, and you might say Vitt conquers death. Really, is what you what you're saying there. And,
1: In a way, and, yes.
0: And so this is feel that about uh, Queen Bessie too. Mm-hmm. There's old laughter opposite that, and. Uh, this, I suppose, is a question of timeliness here to though you wrote this uh, back in, in 1950.
1: Uh, I didn't write this no. poem no. in 1950, no. I wrote it when I was about 19. Oh, you did? <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. And, um, of course, I don't know anything about Africa. I have never been there, and have never been that fortunate. But um, this, was, this is just the childhood impression that I had of Africa. Based on perhaps nothing. <laughs> so I'll read it and you'll
0: Thus far, readings our guest, Gwendolyn Brooks, Pulitzer Prize winning poet living in Chicago, won the Pulitzer Prize for Annie Allen, from which we've heard several of her poems just now. Before that, A Street in Bronzeville, and her current book. Your book now, The Bean Eaters. Uh, Harper's always been your publisher, have, haven't they? Yeah. Harper's. Mm-hmm. The Bean Eaters is available now, isn't it? Yes, it was
1: published in 1960, April. Well, this I is think.
0: just a tip to the listeners who want a poetry that is poetry, truly. And Bean Eaters, before the book itself begins as a dedication, here, Gwendolyn, a dedication to David Anderson Brooks, my father, Anything you care to say about this dedication?
1: Well, it uh, doesn't have any reference to the book itself. Um, but my father died just about the time that the book was about t- to um, be published. And I wanted, naturally, to honor him in some way. And so I um, quickly sent this poem to the publishers. Wait, and was
0: he an influence in some way? Oh, my
1: father was a wonderful man, and uh, he was uh, devoted to poetry and music. And uh, he read a great deal, and uh, told my brother and myself stories from earliest childhood, and uh, sang to us wonderful old ballads and read wonderful old poems. And uh, oh, he had a tremendous influence on our lives. Oh, how.
0: You, like, your father, you said your father liked Roland
1: Hayes. Yes, he did, and he would have been so happy to have heard yeah. that uh, attached to a... Well, it's impossible, isn't it?
0: The book, the volume, the bean eaters, and there is on page... Uh, what are the bean eaters? Do well, you notice uh, here, is this a return, do you feel, to that uh, humanity that you felt was in uh, a street in Bronzeville? Uh, less of the fineness of... Uh, Annie Allen? You well, said something about this earlier.
1: Yes, in a way I, th- I think that's true. To tell you the truth, I haven't quite decided just mm. how I feel about, about this book yet. Um, I myself enjoy A Street in Bronzeville more than any of them. But uh, several people have said that The Bean Eaters shows an advance and in interest in... Um, the, uh, the quality of the human condition. <laughs> um, well, I haven't quite decided yet.
0: <laughs> why, why the Bean Eaters? What's the significance of the title, the Bean Eaters?
1: Well, I was referring to people, well, the great, the great mass of eaters of beans, people who, uh, are not, are not rich, <laughs> who don't eat lobster as a rule, but, uh, chiefly resort to beans
0: we real cool on page 17 and there's a little uh, note above the poem the pool players seven at the golden shovel you have a little note there
1: yes well there it's about pool players there
0: they were i I was thinking Gwendolyn as i was reading this and as i read this
1: and you read it very well (laughs) thank
0: you the power of this ballad I think of the, ba- you know, somehow the rhyme, the scheme. I'm know book of the scheme. I think of the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Oh. And, and of the Sir Patrick Spence. Do you know that song? You know Sir Patrick Spence? Yeah. Right. Well, did this, I was thinking, as you wrote this, did you have a, aside from the content and, and the passion in the writing of it, the form? Uh, were you thinking of old, old, old English ballads? In well,
1: the, not by this time. I, I uh, have admired the ballad form for so many years that uh, it's, uh, once I get started, get a line like, Rudolph Reed was oaken. Yeah. Well, the rest just follows automatically. <laughs> I, I love the ballad form.
0: Something about he, e, something could be sung. If, would you mind, here is Sir Patrick Spence, the old, old ballad, and some I think there's a form here that's similar to, it has the same power and uh, 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 like it's through the ages feeling. If we may just hear a, a piece ben. of this. said Patrick Spence is the such a sailor that ever sailed the sea, the same uh-huh. feeling of that. And since you say this was based upon what might have been, uh, there is a poem page that you hesitate to read. Uh, the, a Bronzeville Mother loiters in Mississippi, Meanwhile, Mississippi Mother burned. You said because you heard Ruby Dee, that beautiful actress, uh, read it on.
1: Yes, a camera. few months ago uh, she read it on... Uh, program camera three and um, she uh, she so beautifully translated my own thought that uh, ever since I've rather hesitated about reading it myself
0: See, I, I thought again here too since there's reference made to a ballad if we can perhaps open this with uh, the, the name of the poem and you were a Brownsville mother loiter's in Mississippi meanwhile a Mississippi mother burns bacon.
1: Well, the events in this poem are a little um, sturdier, I believe, than those in that beautiful ballad. Um, They, um, it's the story, of course, of the uh, murder of Emmett Till.
0: I imagine, Gwendolyn Brooks, your poem about this woman and about this man and about the boy who isn't there and yet who is there, and his mother who isn't there and yet who is there, says so much more than I imagine a, a tome or a, any, any kind of treatise on the subject. Isn't this the poet's, well, I was about the poet's job, the, poet, the poet's work is to say what he wants to say, pretty much, isn't that it?
1: Yes, you know? to condense and to make concise, I believe. To refine.
0: To refine and to intensify. And these are just but a few of the uh, poems from The Bean Eaters that are so beautiful, and so eloquent. It's, it's uh, Harper and Brothers, and it's available now. And perhaps to end this hour with you, Gwendolyn Brooks, uh, the title poem itself, which spoke of the bean eaters being not the fine prince or the fine princess, but <laughs> so many of the people. Yes. And they too have <laughs> their own nobility, special kind. I'm Gwendolyn Brooks, thank you very much for giving of your art, your reading, your poetry, and your time. Thank you. The three books of Gwendolyn Brooks are Street in Bronzeville, Annie Allen, that won the Pulitzer Prize in 1950, and her new book that a number of the critics consider her finest, though you still lean toward a street in Bronzeville. You yourself do. At present. At present. <laughs> Gwendolyn Brooks, thank you very much indeed for being, I guess. Thank you.